So in the month of July, um, PD has been taking, through, taking us through, um, or let me say the word to us in the month of July is Kairos. My appointed time has come. And PD has been, you know, just dealing with that immensely this past three weeks. Please, if you haven't been part of that service or if you're not part of the whole services, it's on YouTube. You will find it and it will be a huge blessing to you. I know that it will be a huge blessing to you. And in the same vein, I will be sharing something with us that is, you know, in line with that as it has been laid on my spirit. And what I'm sharing with us today is titled Understanding My Kairos. Understanding My Kairos. Speedy helped us understand that Kairos, you know, um, as far as timing is concerned, um, there is Kairos and there is Kronos. Kronos is the passage of time and Kairos is a moment a significant moment in time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So our text has been Psalm 102, Psalm 102 and verse 13. I'm going to read it in two versions. I will take it from there. Okay, great. It's on the screen. So it says, you will arise and have mercy on Zion. This has been our key text. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. Hallelujah. Let's look at it in the Passion Translation. I love this. It says, I know. I know you are about to arise. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for bringing back, bringing back my screen. I know you are about to arise and show your tender love to Zion. Now is the time, Lord. Now is the time, Lord. For your compassion and mercy to be poured out. The appointed time has come for your prophetic promises to be fulfilled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just looking at this scripture, it's just, you know, I couldn't help but see that the psalmist knew a number of things when he was saying this. He said, I know, I know, I perceive that you are about to arise. I know that God, you are about to do something. I know, I perceive, I can sense it. I have insight into the fact that something is about to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He understood a few things. And I'm just going to walk backwards. I know you are about to arise and show your tender love to Zion. Now is the time, Lord, for your compassion and mercy to be poured out. The appointed time has come for your prophetic promises to be fulfilled. I said I'm walking backwards. First thing that the psalmist understood from this scripture is that he understood that there were prophetic promises. He had come to know that there were prophetic promises. He had come to know that there are certain things that God is ordained to do. Hallelujah. The second thing he understood, please leave, my, leave that scripture on the screen. Thank you. The second thing he understood was that those promises were scheduled to happen at a specific point in time. And he had come to that understanding, thirdly, that this is the time for it to happen. Should I go over that again? One, he knew that there were prophetic promises. He knew that there were certain things that God had proposed to do. Hallelujah. Secondly, he came, it came to a point in his life where he understood 
that, okay, no, before that, he understood that these things were supposed to happen at a particular time. Then thirdly, as the time approached, he understood that, okay, this is the time. That these things that God has said is going to happen, this is the time that it is supposed to happen. The truth is that God is constantly doing many things. God is constantly working. He's constantly doing stuff. Doing stuff in your life, doing stuff in your family, doing stuff in your generation, doing stuff in your nation, doing stuff all over the world. And God wants you to know what he's doing. God wants you to know what he's doing. And like the psalmist, we would need to understand what those things are and when it is happening. Hallelujah. Like this, like this psalmist declared, we would need to know what those things God is doing, what they are, and when he plans to do it. God does not want to leave us in the dark with regards to the things that he's doing. God wants you to know. He wants me to know. Hallelujah. Let's go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 43 and verse 19. This is God speaking. Isaiah 43 and verse 19 says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? God is asking. Do you not perceive it? Do you not know it? And will you not give heed to it? Will you not try and recognize that I am doing something, I am about to do something, and give heed to it? That means, you know, not just acknowledging that, oh yes, God, you are doing something. But understanding that because God is doing something and he's revealing it to me, there must be something that I need to do. That is giving heed to it, right? God is saying, I am doing something. You need to know it. You need to know it. The Bible tells us in Amos, sorry, tech team. I don't think I, I shared this with you. Um, this scripture just came to me this morning as we were praying. Amos 3 and verse 7. Amos, can you please... Can you find Amos 3 and verse 7 for me? Great, thank you. It says, surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Surely the Lord does nothing. And please don't begin to think about prophets and you're thinking of, you know, prophets. You're thinking of one pastor somewhere. He's talking to you. You are his prophet in these end times. You are his priest. You are a king and a priest unto God. He's saying, I do not do stuff without revealing it first to my servants, the prophets. He's now, he was saying in, in Isaiah 43, how is it that you do not perceive? How is it that you do not know that the moment for these things that I have, I have been trying to get your attention about, how is it that you do not perceive that this is the time for it to occur? First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. A scripture we are familiar with. I'll read it in two, in two um, versions. It says, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. Let's go to the next, to the um, other translation. The other version. Somebody there. Okay. You don't have it. I can read it. Do you have it? 
The second version. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Our tech team is <laughs> amazing. Like, <laughs> God bless you. It says there were 200 leaders from the family of Issachar. They knew what Israel should do. They knew what Israel should do. And they knew the right time to do it. Their relatives were with them and under their command. They knew what Israel ought to do. And they knew the right time to do it. As a result, their relatives were under their command. So it wasn't just enough to know what to do. It was necessary to know when to do it. And it was also necessary to go ahead and do it. Because if they didn't do it, their relatives would not have been under their command. They would have just had knowledge doing, knowledge, doing nothing. But true knowledge is... <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The truth is, God does not want you to be ignorant. God does not want you to be oblivious to what he's doing per time. Because your ignorance can cost you. Pastor Mrs. shared that with us this morning. And in fact, it's the same thing the Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit. You know, yesterday, something you will learn in law. I don't know if you've done any law, law courses, but I learned this, you know, from a law course. That ignorance is not an excuse. That's how it is with the law. Ignorance of the law is not an excuse. If you say, oh, I didn't know, and you broke the law, you will still fall under the consequence of the law that you broke. Hallelujah. So, for example, <laughs> ideal scenario, I came to Canada and I went to do my driving test. From Nigeria, where I was coming from, we don't do driving tests. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't have rules. We don't have signs. We don't have nothing. But, you know, interestingly, I knew one rule in Nigeria. There was one rule that was constantly ringing in my head. I don't even know where I picked it up from. Maybe from my driving um, instructor. I didn't go to driving school himself. <laughs> oh my. The, the rule I knew was give way to traffic on the left. Please, I don't know if I'm right, but that was the rule I knew from Nigeria. Give way to traffic on the left. That was what I knew. Give way to traffic on the left. That was what I knew. Whether it was a rule, because we didn't have rules, right? Please, if you are in the room and... No okay, no enforcement. There were, there were no rules. <laughs> anyway, I knew that rule. So I was always conscious when I was driving back home. You know, I would always try to give way to traffic on the left. Anyway, I came to Canada and then I'm writing my, my um, G1. And you know those apps we used to use? Please, if you have not, if you have not um, written your G1, don't use those apps. Take it from somebody... <laughs> Who didn't listen when they told her, don't use those apps? My husband said, read the book. I said, read the book for what? Please let me read. You know, I thought, you know, just use this shortcut and just get it done, over and done with. Because there were over 100 questions in that app, right? But guess what? When I sat before the computer that was asking me these questions, this question came up. And guess what? Yours truly. That's what I clicked. <laughs> Anyway, it was not right. It was wrong. Here in Canada, it's give way to traffic on the right. I was like, ah, really? Give way to traffic on the right? So imagine that I took that my Nigerian mentality and I entered the road. 
And instead of giving way to traffic on the right, I'm thinking, oh, it's my, it's my right. And then it happens. You don't jump my car. <laughs> I am going to have to deal with that, the consequence of the law at that point in time. The fact that I didn't know what it was. It's not, it will not be an excuse. In the same way, the Holy Spirit was saying to me to share with us that our ignorance of what God is said to do will not be an excuse. Because God wants you to know. In fact, I stated it here, the way it came to me. He said, in the same way, your ignorance of what God is doing, that you are supposed to be a party to, that you are supposed to be an active participant to, it can cost you and there can be dire consequences due to your ignorance and your subsequent inaction. Because the truth is, when you don't know what to do, then you are doing nothing or you are doing all the wrong things. Hallelujah. But it can cost you. Let's go to Luke chapter 19. And here Jesus, buttressing this fact to us. Luke chapter 19 and verse 44. Jesus says, and they will dash you down. He's talking about your enemies. They will dash you down, you Jerusalem and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. All because you did not come progressively to recognize and know and understand from observation and experience the time of your visitation, that is, when God was visiting you. The time in which God showed himself gracious toward you and offered you salvation through Christ. Please, let's read it. I want to, you know, give it context. Let's read it from verse 41 in the Passion Trans Translation. From verse 41. I want us to see what was happening there. From verse 41. From verse 41. Can we go back? Okay, I can read it from my notes. But please, let's just, let's just pay attention. It says, when Jesus caught sight of the city. I want it in the Passion Translation, if you have it. Okay, let me just read it from my notes. It says, when Jesus caught sight of the city, he burst into tears with uncontrollable weeping over Jerusalem, saying, if only you could recognize that this day peace is within your reach, but you cannot see it. For the day is coming when your enemies will surround you, pressing you in on every side and laying siege to you. 44 now. They will crush you to pieces and your children too. And when they leave, your city will be totally destroyed since you would not recognize God's day of visitation. Your day of devastation is coming. Hallelujah. Jesus is telling us that it is possible for us to know because if we do not know, then there are, there are dire consequences. There are repercussions. If we say, oh, you know what? I'm just living life, you know, Kesera, Sarah, what will be, we be one day at a time, you know. But God has destined deliverances in your, for, your, for your family. He has destined deliverances, deliverances for your children. He has, you know, ordained deliverances for your nation. But you are just living Kesera, Sarah, what will be, will be. Anything that comes, we take it the way it is. Your enemies will crush you. That's the enemy. He will make minced meats of you. 
and your children because you just left things. After all, God didn't tell me. Did you try to find out? Did you try to find out? So, I mean, yes, our God is a restorer. You know, we always pray for restoration. And he restores. Because the truth is, when you do not take the step that is necessary to be that active participant in what God is doing in your life and all that concerns you, all that is around you, then chances are that somebody's life is going to waste. Somebody's destiny is being cut short. You are losing time. But then we'll now come and say, oh, you know, God restores. He will restore time. And yes, he will. But we will not take God's restoration for granted and say, oh, yes, God will restore so I can do anything, any way I want to do it. Amen. We will not do that. We will not willfully ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit and say, oh, because God will restore, then I can just, you know, live life loosely. Something the Spirit of God dropped in my spirit was this. He said, your Kairos moment is a compass, is a compass, sorry. Your Kairos moment is a compass for your Kronos experiences. Your Kairos moment is a compass for your Kronos experiences. Therefore, an understanding of what God is doing and when God is doing it will determine the actions and directions that you are taking in Kronos with a focus on what you know must manifest in Kairos. I hope that is not complex. Your Kairos moment is a compass. You, we know what a compass is, right? For your Kronos experiences. Therefore, an understanding of what God is doing and when he is doing it will determine the actions and the directions that you and I will take with a focus to ensuring that that thing that must happen in Kairos happens. So, let me give you just a, a, a short testimony. And the truth of the matter is that, you know, God, is, God constantly wants to show us what he's doing. So, maybe you're in a situation and you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to, you know, wrap your head around things. How will I come out of this? You know, God wants to show you the way out. Or you look around you and, you know, all over what you just see just saddens you. Everything that's happening in the world really saddens you. That is a pointer to the fact that you should go to God and say, God, what can we do about this matter? And he will show you what you can do. Here I was, you know, um, on a job that I did not particularly like because it would take my time from church, right? I would come to church, yes, you know, I mean, when I knew that I had to work Sundays and I was asked what, what could stop you from coming to, to work on Sunday, I said, well, church. I have to be at church. And they were like, okay, that's fine. We understand that. No worries. Come when you can on Sunday. And, and yes, I would go, you know, I would try to be as early as I can. But I would be working maybe four or five hours instead of eight hours. But I still got paid for my eight hours. Praise God. Anyway, yes, I mean, <laughs> that was what God did. So here I was, and I was in that situation where my heart's cry was, God, I need things to change. And then one day in October, I was just praying. Not even about it. I was just having my quiet time and focusing on other things. And I heard God clearly say, I am about to change your job. I just jumped up. <laughs> I said, oh, really? And I, you know, wrote it down. I was excited. I was dancing. I was like, oh, God, thank you. 
Please, what if after that day, I just sat back and said, oh, God is about to change my job. My job is going to fall from heaven. Or somebody will come to my door and knock. Are you Laura? I have a new job for you. Come. No, it's not going to happen that way. There is some expectation. Do you understand? There is some expectation. I must begin to prepare. I must begin to, you know, identify what the likely jobs are. As God would have it, I had identified my next position in, my, in that organization. But I didn't think that I was going to be in that position in the next, not even two years, because I didn't see that girl leaving. <laughs> I didn't see it happening. So when God said, I'm about to change your job, you know, I was just looking around, looking at this, trying to identify. And I said, okay, but I didn't find too many. But the ones I found, I applied to. But as things, or rather as God would have it, the very next month, this girl resigned. I said, What? In fact, my dance step just took another level. You know? And that was how, you know, everyone around me said, Laura, go for it. You can go for it. I was like, okay. And this is a new role, something I had never really done before. And the week I was supposed to have my interview, I wasn't supposed to be at work the day that, at that point when I was at work. But for some reason, I, would have, I was at work. And then I ended up having this conversation with this person who has been in the in that organization for over 10 years. And that was how this guy just started downloading, downloading all the interview techniques that the company uses, downloading. I said, ah, God, what's happening here? Anyway, long story short, you know, the rest is history. What I am saying to you and I is that when God reveals something to us, what he's about to do, and you know, this is just one experience. I can share so many other experiences, but I will leave it because we don't have enough time. What the Holy Spirit is helping us to understand is that he wants to show you, he wants to tell you about your child, about your, you know, your family, your, your parents, your, um, your colleagues, your office, your generation, your neighbors, your community. But you must also know that there is action that must be taken. You must also be ready to do something. Hallelujah. And he will help us. Let us look at how knowing what needs to be done at an appointed time, but not doing it, how it can end. Let's go to the book of 2 Samuel. So while Kairos was going on, I was in the, you know, I was just studying the book of 2 Samuel and the Holy Spirit was just showing me a lot of things and how it was just connecting it to what, you know, we're talking about. And I just, you know, want to share some with us. I have permission to share some of that with us. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1. So I was just seeing, just going through. It was just amazing. I was like, ah, God, it is so important. Me, I came to realize at that point in time that it is so important that I am constantly aligned to what God is doing per time. Because when that is not the case, the outcome can be disastrous. Second Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, in the spring, when kings go forth to battle, David sends to Joab with his servants. Sorry, David sends Joab with his servants and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rahab. But David remained in Jerusalem. When kings go forth to battle, David, the king, remained in Jerusalem. I couldn't wrap it around my head. Though. Sorry. Please. I wanted, to, I can see it's a different version, but it's fine. When kings, at the time, when kings go forth to battle. In fact, this doesn't even say it that way. The version I have here says, then it happened in the spring at the time when kings, it was the appointed time for fighting. But David decided that he wanted to stay back. 
In fact, it was the appointed time for kings to be fighting. He pushed the rest. He said, you know what? Let them go, please. I'm too tired. Ah, this giant challenge itself. Every, every day, one hour. What is it? <laughs> it's fasting. What is it? And you expect that things will change for you. You expect that things will change. What was the outcome? We know this story. Do we know this story? Please, if we don't know this story, please, let's go back and read it. Okay? Anyway, at the time that David was supposed to move, he sat back. My question to you and I today is that whose life are we stalling by reason of our stalling? Whose destiny are we holding back because we did not move at the time that we were supposed to move? How much time have I cut short because I slowed down? We know how this story ended. Meanwhile, there was someone else in this same story, verse 11. Please go to verse 11. This was the man David called out of the battle because he was already committing atrocities because he, did, he was not where he was supposed to be when he should have been. Verse 11. So this is Uriah. We know this story, right? Please, if you don't know this story, I beseech you. Please go and read the story so that you can, you know, make it make, it make sense to you. So verse 11 says that Uriah, so David had called Uriah out of the battle because he wanted to, you know, make him think that he was the one that impregnated his wife, right? Because David, the wife was already pregnant, thanks to David, not going to war, not stepping forward when it was the time for him to step forward. So verse 11 says, Uriah replied, he was telling David, David had said, go and sleep with your wife, go home, relax, ah, forget this world that we are talking about. But Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. And my Lord, Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? <laughs> as you live and as our souls live, I will not do this thing. This was a man that understood that at this point in my nation, there is action to be taken. It is not time for me to go and lie down and be frolicking for what? There is work to be done because destinies are at stake. Because nations are at stake. This nation is at stake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uriah understood that there was a call for his nation. And he chose to arise. He chose to arise. Please go to 2 Samuel 24. I think I have to run now. 2 Samuel 24. Verse 1 to 2. I want to show us something. Good. It says, once again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he caused David to harm them by taking a census. Go and count the people of Israel and Judah, the Lord told him. So the king said to Joab and the commanders of the, of the army, Take a census of all the tribes of Israel from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south so I may know how many people there are. So, take a census. What does a census involve? Counting the people, right? Counting all the people. Okay. Please, let's go to verse 8. After the, when the census was taken. Verse 8 says, Having gone through the entire land for nine months and 20 days, they returned to Jerusalem. 
Then Joab reported the number of people to the king. He said there were 800,000 capable warriors in Israel who could handle a sword and 500 in Judah. I will read it again and I hope that you, you, you know, the Lord will open your eyes to see what I saw. That had me asking the Holy Spirit, like, what is happening here? He said, Joab reported the number. They said, go and take a census. So he went from the north of the, of the country to the south. He counted. And then he came back with this report. He said there were 800,000 capable warriors in Israel who could handle a sword and 500,000 in Judah. I said, Father Lord, why are they? Because I was asking the Holy Spirit, why is it only the warriors they are talking about? What happened to everybody else? <laughs> the Holy Spirit said to me, in the grand scheme of things, the only people that would count are the people that arose at the time that it was appointed. If you want your life to count for anything, then it is important that, in, that you know that, see, I'm not just here to just, you know, have a good family, have a good husband, have a good wife, have my children, you know, just be happy, buy my house, go on vacation. It's beyond that. Our lives will count in the grand scheme of things only when we are reckoned as an instrumental part of what God was doing per time. Especially when he has even revealed it to you. Especially when he has shown it to you. It's not going to be easy, you know. Sometimes it's not easy to, you know, take that um, step of faith or do that thing or make that move. But as we have heard, there is grace released when that word comes. There is grace released when that word comes. Let's go to 2 Samuel 23. There will be oppositions. There will be discouragements, no doubt. There will be all the reasons why, you know, we cannot just move. But let's quickly go to, to 2 Samuel 23. I'm going to read from verse 9 to 12. And this is talking about the three um, main men that were in, in David's army. It says, next in the rank among the three was Eliezer's son of Dodai, a descendant of Ahua. Once Eliezer and, and David stood together against the Philistines. And when the entire Israel, Israelite army had fled, he killed Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword. And the Lord gave him a great victory that day. The rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect the plunder. <laughs> just leave, just, let's just stay there. Let's just stay because I don't have a lot of time. But we see a man who stood. When, it says everyone fled, but he stayed. Everyone decided that, you know what, I'm done. I'm tired of this um, every month. Let God arise. I'm tired of this every day. Um, rising up to pray for nations that I do not know. I don't know what's happening there. You're asking me to pray for the nation of Peru. You're asking me to pray for the nation of India. <laughs> hmm. But the truth is that anytime we hold on to faith and step out to do that thing that God has asked us to do, our victory in God is guaranteed. And we can be assured that that thing that God has spoken about, we will see it happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what might you rising up and aligning yourself to what God wants to birth? What's, what do you think it can produce? 
We see so many people who were in that situation. There was Esther. Esther's life was at stake. She knew it. That if I go without the king calling me, I might not come out alive. But she stepped up. Right? Jesus, his life was at... In fact, he laid it down. He knew it was not going to be easy. The apostles, we see the same thing. And we see what their lives birthed. What might your life or my life, what might we produce? What, what might be the outcome of our rising up? Of our aligning? Of our taking that step? We see what the reverse birthed in, in you know, David's story. Two people died in that story where David decided not to step forward. His child died and the Uriah, Uriah, Uriah himself died. For nothing. For absolutely nothing. Because somebody did not step up. Something interesting happened to me yesterday. I was driving to Costco. And I mean, I've lived in where I live. I've lived there for over a year. And I take the same route to Costco. And I know that thing happened because God, the Holy Spirit wanted me to share it with us today. And I was, you know, just driving. Like I was saying, I've always, always, always taken that route. In fact, I don't know any other route. The only other route I know leads me back to that route. And all of a sudden, I just saw on my... I always use a navigator, even though I know that route. I always, <laughs> I always use a navigator. And that was how my navigator just said, save two minutes by taking this route. I just think, okay. And then I started looking at it. I was like, where are you taking me to? Highway 4 to... Since when? I was trying to connect the dots in my head. And that's when the Spirit of God said to me, said, the way you just clicked okay without even thinking about it because it was going to save you time. That is how, if we as his children will just click okay quickly to his impulses and his promptings before we begin to rationalize and say, where is he taking me to? How am I going? How much time am I going to? I just, because the truth is, I, saved, I really did save time. And that is how you and I can save time as well. If we will just quickly click okay when those promptings, when those promptings come. Pastor Mrs. Look at looks like I'm going to pay fines today. <laughs> anyway, so I know I've said so much about, you know, about God wanting to know, God wanting us to know, <laughs> God wanting us to know, you know, what he's doing, what concerns us, you know, per time. And somebody might be asking, P.L., how do I know? How do I know what God is doing? If you wanted to be my friend, or if you wanted to know what's happening in my life, what's the easiest way? You ask. You ask. What else? What else can you try? Sorry? I can't hear. Thank you. You know, spend time with me. Be my friend. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 17. God was speaking of Abraham here. He says, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham, my friend and servant, what I am going to do? Please go to Psalm 25 and verse 14. It says, God friendship is for God worshippers. They are the ones he confides, confides in. This is the popular scripture that says that the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. And he will, he will show them his covenant. It says, God friendship is for God worshippers. They are the ones he confides in. You know, and as the spirit of God dropped the scripture in my spirit, he just asked, you know, the question that came to me, was who was the first person in the scripture that was identified as a worshipper? 
who was the first person in scripture that God mentioned and said, this is my friend? Who did we just read about that God said, shall I hide what I'm about to do from? God friendship is for God worshippers. They are the ones he confides in. If you want to know what God is doing, just find yourself in this scripture. Find yourself in this scripture. God wants you to know. Amen. And he's wanting to, you to know. Does not, it's not just for knowing sake. And when, he, when he reveals that thing, the spirit of God begins to, to stir you. It begins to spoil you, to take certain actions. We'll come to that, but I just don't want to live here. You know, because, you know, I don't know. There might be some people in the room who, are, who have not yet found themselves in this scripture. There might be some people online. And at this point, I just want to take an altar call and say, if you really haven't found yourself in this place where you can say that I, am, I know that I am his friend because he tells me stuff, stuff that he's doing in my life. You know, a good way to even know that God, God is and will continue to tell you stuff is when he begins to, you know, impress on your spirit to pray for things that do not even concern you personally. You find yourself daily praying about other things. Ah, then the, you have, that confidence is being built. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you are that person that has not come to the place where you can truly say that, yes, you know, I can confidently say that God can confide in me, right? Or, or that is something you desire. Let's just pray. Let's just pray this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see your people. You see your people. For as many, oh God, that desire a walk with you, that desire a relationship with you, that desire a friendship with you, oh God, we ask, we ask that you will show them yourself. You will reveal yourself to them. You will reveal yourself to them. You will give them all the reasons that they need to draw closer and closer, to walk nearer and nearer with you day by day. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for the grace. And for as many that have not yet received you, please just say this prayer after me. If you're the one that has not yet received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you this morning understanding that I need you in my life. I need you as God over me. I need you as Lord, as master, as the one that leads me, as the one that guides me. I understand that you are the one that has my whole life in your hands. You are the one who knows it all. And I choose to surrender to you today. I give it all to you today. I ask that you come and live in me. Come and be God over me. Show yourself, oh God, in my life as Father and God. Thank you because I receive grace to live a life that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pretty quickly, let's just be on our feet. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. As we stand up, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Sorry, chapter 2 from verse 6 to 12. It says, start to... Sorry. Okay. No, not Chronicles. 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 12. It says, yet, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'd like it to be on the screen so that we can see it. Okay, let me read. Okay. Mm, I want this version, NLT. It says, yet, let me just read it from here. Okay, great. Yet, when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, 
but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. Sorry, just leave it there. I want us to see that even though it was hidden, he made it for your ultimate glory. And the only way you can come into that glory is for him to reveal it to you, to know that there is a glory that I must walk towards. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 8 says, But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. So they, did, they had no inclination to what God was doing. And it cost them. It cost them their salvation. It cost them their coming to know Jesus. Verse 9 says, No eye has seen. That is what the scriptures means when they say, No eye has seen. No ear has heard. And no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us, hallelujah, that God revealed these things by his spirit. It was to you, it was to me. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. God wants you to know. God's, God wants me to know. This morning we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for a spiritual awakening. A spiritual alertness of what God is doing. That we begin to become more sensitive to God's promptings, to God's leadings, to his impulse, impulses. And we'll be the people that will be quick to click okay. We will not rationalize it. We will not think it through before we say yes, Lord. Our Father, we ask for grace this morning. We ask for grace. We choose to be the ones that will be instrumental, that will be active participants in the things that you are doing. We ask that your spirit will reveal the same to us. We are spiritually alert. We are sensitive to know. We know when you speak and we move as you speak. We know when you speak and we move as you speak. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Because we know that destinies are tied to our actions. Lives are tied to our actions. Our own purposes are tied to our actions. The actions that we take. At the time when you tell us to move. Father, we receive grace this morning. We receive grace this morning. Father, we pray that our lives will be malleable to your every orchestration, to everything that you are doing. Our lives. Our Father, we choose to release all that we are. We choose to release all that we are. Have your way with us. That indeed we will be the people that will see your plans and purposes happen in the times that you have ordained as a result of our arising at the time that it mattered. And our lives will count for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at K-I-C-C-Canada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember you are a champion. God bless you.